We're continuing um, in, a, in, a, in a series really looking at the Apostle Paul's prayers through the Bible, an occasional series if you like. Vic um, last week looked at Colossians, the book of Colossians chapter 4 and verses 2 to 6. He looked at the first couple of verses. Um, I'm going to look at the last three verses of that passage. So first of all, let me read it to you from the New International Version. Colossians 4 verse 2 says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So like I say, we've been looking at some of Paul's prayers in the Bible. But why are we doing that? Well, we want to grow in our prayer life, don't we? And we want to grow in our prayer life both as individuals and corporately as City Hope Church. So to be encouraged by um, the apostle through through the scriptures is is a good way to grow in prayer to encourage at least uh, encourage our growth in prayer and the, and this particular prayer has a much more definite outward focus look into the world that's not yet christian look into those who are not yet born again and we could do a lot worse than to emulate the apostle paul and we'll, we'll grow in, and grow in faith as, as we reach out to those around us, those we work with, those we live alongside, those who are in our family. So let me just pray. Lord, would you open doors for us? Would you give us opportunities, opportunities to speak out for you? Would you make an environment for great gospel advance where we live and where we work and amongst our families and lord i ask you do that in jesus name amen amen so that's what we're looking at so like i said last week vic looked at the first two verses this week i'd like to look at the next three uh, verses uh, just very practically really and under a sort of broad heading of how should i pray you know, how should I live? How should I speak? So there's three broad headings. How should I pray? How should I live? How should I speak? Vic really began that last week. Well, the first one I'd really like to address is, look, let's pray. And this is in the context of us speaking out. Let's pray for clarity. Pray that, it says, it's verse 4, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Let's just remember who's saying that. The great, evangelist the apostle paul the the one who wrote half uh, most of the new testament the one who saw glorious things happen in the advance of the gospel and through his ministry he's right into this church and he's saying pray that i proclaim it clearly right if he's praying it if he's saying it and asking for prayer how much more should we you know as i should it's like there's a there's an understanding this isn't an option it's not an option for us as Christians to be proclaiming the gospel. It's something we should be doing. 
because there's a dying world out there. And the desperate thing is they don't even realise they're dying apart from, uh, apart from Christ. So it's not an option. We have a personal responsibility to pray that I may proclaim it clearly, to communicate clearly, really practically. If you haven't done this, then I, could, I would encourage you to learn a simple gospel outline. Just, just to, and this may be something you could do within your connect groups. Just, there's plenty of stuff. You can, if you Google gospel outline, you'll find loads of little, loads of little uh, frameworks just to help you as an aid to communicate the gospel. Sometimes spoken, sometimes little visual things which you can draw on the back of an envelope just to encourage and help people understand the good news of Jesus, that you know, man's position cut off from him because of our sin. Mankind, that is, that's people, man, woman and children. To understand that Jesus, who is God, lived a pure and to- uh, totally sin-free life and therefore didn't deserve death, yet chose to die on our behalf, which we're going to be celebrating next week. And that through his sacrifice, his blood shed, that we can be made whole and free and clean, that we can be assured of forgiveness and a home in heaven. There's loads of little outlines out there that we can be clear with. And, and, and also, we could, if, if you work a little bit hard on, t- on your story, your testimony, that if you are clear with how you became a Christian, and that's God's gift to you, by the way, your unique story, if, you're, if you can communicate, learn to communicate that clearly, and if you understand a little gospel outline, these are great tools in your in your arsenal to com- to, to to proclaim the good news of Jesus effect to, to 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 proclaim it with clarity to proclaim it clearly does that make sense they're very practical responses to the apostles prayer pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should think oh, I don't I'm not even clear myself I don't know well we'll get clear draw alongside other people saying look you, you're pretty good at this could you help me because I'm I'm just all muddled in my thinking I know I'm a Christian but I just don't quite know how to communicate it well again the small group structure of City Hope Church is a great place to do that and if you don't go to one of those connect groups then speak to someone at the end of this service oh, I still haven't quite got into a group is there one near me when does it meet how often do you meet because that's a great context to do some of this stuff you still with me? Yes, good. I'm glad to hear that. So, and also with clar- with, to proclaim it clearly, we do also need some boldness. Right? We do need some boldness. Boldness is needed if we're going to be clear with the gospel. There's always the temptation otherwise to water it down just a little bit because there is an element of bad news. When somebody says to you, well, you're a sinner cut off from God and your, desti- your destiny is hell. I'm not saying that's the best way to communicate it, right? But... <laughs> But there is a reality in that as well, isn't there? Right? So there's a tendency to water that, there'll be a temptation to water that down rather than to be bold and to be clear. But the fact is, all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And God's penalty for sin, the wages of sin is death, it's spiritual death. It's sobering, it's challenging, but we do need to communicate it with clarity. 
So the great, the Apostle Paul says, pray for me. Or I think, and I say, pray for me. And we should be doing it. Pray for me that I can communicate this with clarity. So pray for clarity. The next thing I'd like to look at is how should we live from this passage? Well, first of all, live wisely. Verse 5 says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Who are the outsiders? Well, they're the people who are not yet born again. They're not yet Christians. They're outside of the kingdom. They're in darkness. They haven't come into his wonderful light yet. And we have an obligation and a responsibility and a calling and an anointing and an authority to go and take some good news to those people. But let's do it wisely. We need to be wise with it, right? You know, and the world has got some warped, stereotypical views of what a Christian is. Sadly, Part, partly it's the church's own fault and partly it's the fault of media and culture and all the rest of it. You know, some, we, we, we get the classic, you, you know the, uh, the sort of the weedy vicar character you get on TV, right? They're, 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 they're weak and they're harmless and they're, they're irrelevant, really. Now, there's loads of fantastic vicars out there that are nothing like that, but there's a presentation that we often see, and it's, and it's often in comedy programs, there's this pathetic, bumbling, useless character who's irrelevant to society. But this, this feeds the world we live in, and people have that view. And even if you come, you may even have spoken to people who've come amongst us here and think, God, I didn't know church was going to be like this. That was really good. You know, there's, but they have a, people have a, a view of what Christians are. You know, some, it, may, it may not be that comedy vicar character. It may be something far, far darker, which has shaped people's view. They, they, may, they may just see, hear all the news about, you know, child-abusing priests or something like that and think, well, the church is all the same, isn't it? And they have a view which is a stronghold which affects how they see the church. So we have a responsibility, therefore, don't we, to say, no, listen, the church is not like that. You know, the one way you could prove that point is saying, uh, have you got a £20 note? And take it out of their wallet and let them take And then burn that £20 note, destroy it in front of them. Because you could then say, well, no, it's all right, because I've seen a forged £20 note and they're worthless. So they go, but not all £20 notes are forged. And you can go, exactly. We're not. Some of, there's some genuine ones out there as well. Right? probably don't actually physically want to do that, but you know what I'm saying. <coughs> and even today in this Western world, there's, a, there's a, a stereotype developing of Christians where more and more people believe, you know, where people believe that tolerance trumps truth and they see Bible-believing Christians as the enemy simply because they hold to truth. Have you seen that? So if you, if you dare in some context to say, well, I, I hold to the traditional 2,000-year-old view that marriage is for one man and one woman for life, man, it's like you're the, you're the enemy straight away just by making a statement like that in certain contexts. Right? People have a view of Christians. They have, a, an, they have a false understanding of many of us. So we should be wise how we act towards outsiders. Right, so next 
let me just read to you from 1 Peter 2, who says, Peter says, live such good lives among the pagans, that's the unbelievers, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And apparently, with a little bit of research, that word translated see it refers to a careful watching over a period of time. There's a scrutiny about that. So they, so that they may see your good deeds and glorify God. We need to, but people are watching us regardless of whether we like it or not. They're looking at how you act. They're looking at how you speak. They're looking at how you relate to other people. They're scrutinizing us. So live such good lives, Peter encourages us. That even if they do accuse you of doing wrong, they'll see your good deeds, and there's a prayer, and glorify God as a result. I found a little story from a man called Charles Chu, and C-H-U. And he, he said this, this, this is just by way of illustration, really. He said, a few years ago I had a chance to become a hero but it turned out to be an embarrassing moment. I was in China on a tour group. Our tour bus was on the way to a scenic spot with another tour bus in front of us. It was snowing and the road was muddy. Suddenly, the bus ahead of us skidded off the road and tipped over onto its side in a rice field. I quickly jumped off my tour bus, ran to the overturned bus and jumped on top. Windows were shattered and people inside were obviously hurt. The emergency door was facing upwards, so I grabbed the handle of the emergency door and pulled. The door did not open. I kept pulling hard, but it wouldn't budge. By this time, others had come and were pulling people out through the windows, so I gave up on the door and joined them. After I moved away from the door, another man went over to the door. He turned the door handle, and the door opened easily. I suddenly realised why the door did not open for me. I'd been standing on the door as I tried to open it. <laughs> it's true. <coughs> with good intentions to save lives, I had become the biggest obstacle blocking the door of rescue. <laughs> can you see where this is going? Sometimes those who want to lead others to Christ can become the biggest obstacle to their salvation. We want to be wise, don't we? We don't want to block the door, we want to open the door. But rem and remember, people are watching us. Don't give people an excuse to reject the gospel. You know, when we pray, when we pray, God will give us open doors. Let's not shut them by our behavior, our bad behavior. Next one. Live wisely. We should also live with a sense of urgency. Verse 5 said, Paul says, uh, talks about making the most of every opportunity. I, w I was talking to my wife Denise last night and she was just telling me about a lady she worked with. In fact, she, she got a, me a text message for her while we were talking. Uh, so a lady she works with, her dad is going in for a major operation um, straight away. As soon as she heard this at school, the lady's not a Christian, she, Denise offered to pray. And then last night she texted her to s ask how it was going and the messages, back messages were going back and forth. And, and what Denise said to me was quite encouraging because she said at work she's, she sort of treats non-Christians, those who are not yet born again, those who are not Christians at all, as though they were Christians. 
which is it's an interesting challenge, isn't it? So in terms of praying, offering to pray for people, that's the first thing she'll do. She'll offer her words of encouragement, words of prophecy or knowledge if that's appropriate and if God gives them. But doesn't let the fact they're not yet Christians get in the way. Now, again, we've got to be wise in that. But there's an, there's an element of boldness and there's certainly an element of urgency. You know, we, we must be ready for every chance that, and, and use every opportunity that presents itself. And sometimes they're only small, aren't they? There's those little ins and you think, oh, I don't know, I could say something now, but I'm not going to, and the moment's passed. But maybe when you start your day, as you're getting ready, as you're, as you're walking to the bus stop or to the tube station or whatever, pray. Say, say to Jesus, say, who do you want me to talk to today, Lord? Who do you want me to show your love and compassion to in some way today? And as your day is going about, rather than people winding you up, you think, you don't deserve God's compassion. You can think, that's the very person who should be receiving compassion because you don't know why that person's behaving like that, do you? And there's always a reason. You know, and there's always, a, even like we prayed earlier on, whether it's something that shaped you from your, from your childhood or something, or a torn apart relationship means this, you behave in this way and you show your scars in this way. Maybe that's why that person at work is so horrible. So we can show them some compassion and some healing power and all the rest of it. Next one, how should we speak? Speak graciously. This passage says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. Always full of grace. What does full of grace mean? Well, I sort of pared this down to really basic stuff, right? Basically, it means being nice. (laughs) Full of grace. Be, Be nice to people, right? Be pleasant. Be understanding. A bit like that horrible person I just referred to, you know, have empathy. And that way you'll show a good measure of God's grace to them. And he will give you the grace to do that, particularly if they're not responding. And often people don't, do they? They're not reciprocating. In fact, you be nice and they be even more horrible back. Because they think your kindness is weakness. And it's not. It's the kindness of God. You know, before we make disciples, we need to make friends. It's quite an easy one, isn't it? Your conversation full of grace. And remember, we're called to be witnesses, aren't we? We're not called to be magistrates or judges or the Crown Prosecution Service. We're witnesses for God. And we can speak for him and we can show his love. We can be like Jesus. Luke chapter 4 verse 22 says, All spoke well of him. All spoke well of Jesus. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Wouldn't you like people to say that of you? When you leave the room, they say, she's really nice, you know. She's always saying nice things. She's always being kind. Would you like that? Let's emulate Jesus. So our conversation should be always full of grace, but it should also be seasoned with salt. In this context, what's that salt referring to? Well, 
let's season our conversation. As you know, I'm a very good cook. and I'm That was irony. Um, I don't really cook. That's why I got married. Right? <coughs> Whee! <laughs> One of the many reasons. <laughs> let's season our conversation. You know, make it appetizing. Make the words you're saying appetizing. Taste good that people want more. So we live full of grace. The words we speak are full of grace, but they're going to taste good, seasoned with salt, and do people good as a result. Right? Let's not sound like the world around us. And it seems, particularly in this part of the world, that we want to put people down, that we want to we want to dig people out. We're having a go at them. Let's make sure that what we say is uplifting and edifying and positive, especially when it comes to the gospel. <laughs> and on the other hand, just to, be, just to highlight this, don't think that being gracious means we shouldn't share the gospel in case we might offend people. <laughs> That's ridiculous, isn't it? Even if people are offended by the gospel, make sure it is the gospel, incidentally. It's not, you, you don't get brownie points for offending people by your words or behaviour. Right? But the gospel can be offensive. But don't pre- don't, you must preach the gospel. You must proclaim the good news. Don't, just because the gospel is offensive, think, oh, I better not say nothing right now. It's the gospel is the, it, it brings the, it's the salvation for many, isn't it? The good news of Jesus is what people need to hear. We're not showing compassion or love if we just keep silent. To show that compassion, to show the ultimate compassion and love of God, we need to proclaim the good news of Jesus. In fact, it will be so selfish. Next, we should speak... Well, we should be ready to answer everyone, it says. So the, the, the apostle says, verse 6, we should be... So that you may know how to answer everyone. Speak graciously seasoned with salt so you may know how to answer everyone what does that mean well i was just trying to find the right word to describe this and i speak with wisdom i guess is the best way to put it we need to be wise we need to be clear maybe intelligently i'm not talking about intellectually but we need to have answers ready for those who are who challenge us or are curious about our faith you know there are lots of common questions around how can a loving god allow evil and suffering to exist in this world how many times have somebody asked a question similar to that to you i hear it loads but you telling me a god of love lets this happen and that happen well if we if we are armed and if we are ready to answer that question that's helpful isn't it you know how could a loving god send people to hell right if you're clear on an answer for that then it, it will be helpful Isn't it offensive and arrogant to claim that Jesus is the only way to heaven? We live in a world of, there's so many faiths, and you're saying Jesus is the only way? If you've got a clear and gracious, flavoursome answer to that question, then that would be a positive thing. And again, maybe in, in our connect groups, you could talk about how you'd answer those questions. Talk about talk to one another how you would answer it, and, and just begin to equip yourself and arm yourself as much as you arm yourself with a little gospel outline and your own testimony, your own story. These little key questions that people often ask—it's nice to have an answer. You know, it's sad when people who have been Christians for years can't give a clear answer. 
to those kinds of questions. There's, there's a guy called Howard, Ken, H- Howard Hendricks, a Christian writer. He said, in the midst of a generation screaming for answers, Christians are stuttering. I don't want that to be my testimony. If the world's screaming for answers, I want to be loud and clear back to them. Peter again says, always, 1 Peter 3 says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. You know the story of the Ethiopian eunuch? You know, he's driving along in his chariot and he's reading Isaiah 53 out loud to himself and Philip is, is compelled there by the Holy Spirit, listens to him reading, asks him if he understands what he's reading. The guy says, no, explain it to me. Peter then says, well, you're going to have to give me a week. I'm going to go home and study this a little bit and I'll come back and catch you later. He doesn't, does he? He explains what he's read. And he gives him an answer. He's prepared. He's ready to answer him. And that Ethiopian unit stops the chariot. There's some water. There's probably an oasis or something. He says he's repented of his sin. He's surrendered his life to Christ. He said, here's some water. Baptize me. It was the now moment. And and Philip was ready to answer. In the book, How to Give Away Your Faith, um, the author defines being a witness as this. He says, being a witness as that deep-seated conviction that the greatest favour I can do for others is to introduce them to Jesus Christ. That's challenged me when I read that. That's the greatest favour I can do for others, more than give them something to eat or something to drink, and we should do that, but to introduce them to, to, to Jesus This little passage to me is so challenging. Because it's, it's, it's asking me questions. What can I do to promote the gospel? I can promote the gospel through my prayers, through the way I live my life, and through the words I speak. How should I pray? I should devote myself to prayer. I should be watchful and thankful. I should pray for leaders and fellow Christians to be effective, according to this passage. Pray that we are clear with our proclamation of the good news. How should I live? I should live wisely. I should remember that people are watching me and don't give people an excuse to reject the gospel. I should live with that sense of urgency. Now's the moment. How should I speak? I should speak with grace. Be nice. (laughs) And speak with wisdom and knowledge and flavour, seasoned with salt. And as we do that, as we pray and live and speak, then I pray that that will be, I pray that we will see revival. It's a big prayer, isn't it? I pray that we will see not the ones and twos swept into the kingdom, but I pray that we will see ultimately the multitude swept into the kingdom. As each and every one of us are emulating the Apostle Paul, I'll be responding to his prayer and to his exaltation, that we, City Hope, would see massive numerical growth in Bermondsey, in Rotherhive, in New Cross, in Peckham, in Camberwell, and those other regions that we haven't even named, but people are still living there. God bless the borough, right? All right, Sharon. Listen, 
These, are, the, these passages are so practical and, so, and such a challenge to us. We've got to live it, haven't we? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for your word that speaks to us so simply and so clearly. I thank you that you've gathered us together as City Hope Church, one body with Christ as the head. I thank you that you're constantly changing us. You're moving us from one degree of glory to the next, that you're healing our bodies and our minds and our emotions. And Lord, I pray that we'll be those who, who live righteously before men and we speak the good news of Jesus before them as we pray. Lord, that we'll be a praying people, that we'll be a preaching people and make us effective, Jesus. Amen? Amen. I'm going to hand over to Vic.